Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, Jason Franklin here with my friend James Toller. Uh, welcome to Texas Real Talk. Uh, so, James, what you been doing this week? Man, same old stuff. Got a lot of rehabs going on. How many? Oh, shoot. Got about eight of them right now going on. Okay. Got some on the market. Problem is that they're flying off the market. I mean, it's a good and bad. I mean, is it a problem? <laughs> it's, it's a hell of a problem to have, right? <laughs> well, it's getting them replaced as fast as they're leaving. That's the issue is... And they're they're just flying off cash deals. I've had several cash deals, and then it's just hard to find them as fast as exceptionally hard. You know, typically you'll sit in the market for a little bit and then deal with all the issues and then move out. Uh, but man, it's it's a lot better than not being able to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, so I mean, you know this, but uh, so Shelly and I are just about done. We're about three weeks out from closing. Uh, just short of three weeks on closing on the flip we're working on now. Uh, placed an offer on another flip yesterday uh, here in the Clear Lake area, and uh, dear Lord, they started the painting at our personal home today. Oh, right. I've been, uh, hopefully, in four weeks, they'll be done painting, and uh, we can finally move into the house and get all of my personal belongings out of the garage, uh, so that'll be a good day. And uh, Shelly's been up in uh, New York for the last week, so she's supposed to be home in a couple of days, so excited about that. All right, man. So, uh, by the way, you have a meeting every Monday over at your office. Tell me real quick, kind of one more time, because I think we talked about this last time. What is that? I mean, we've got people here in the local area that are interested in investing, uh, flipping houses. You know, they become an HGTV addict, and they think they can pull off what's happening on TV. Sure. You know, what, what do they what do say? You, you know, 95% or so of people who get into flipping lose money. You ever heard that? You know, I have a really good client, Don Wadley. And uh, when he was, I don't know, I've done like 52 transactions with this guy. And I was complaining about flipping this and that and everything else. And he goes, Jason, he said, here's the only rule in flipping. Don't lose money. It's like the Warren Buffett of flipping, right? He's like, if you, if you buy it and you rehab it and you sell it and you didn't lose money, it was a win. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously we're shooting for a little bit higher goal yeah, than well, that. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> but at the end of the day, with his other thing that he always said, which I loved, was he goes, there's not enough margin in that. I don't need the practice. He's like, I already know how to do this. I'm not doing this for fun. I need to make money. That was always, he's like, I don't need the practice. I know what I'm doing. You know, so like I'm not doing it unless I want to make money. Exactly. So. Well, part of my goal with, you know, the, the class and really teaching people is if I can give you one idea each time or maybe a idea here or there just to shift the way you're seeing things. Mm -hmm. Maybe your perspective, your mindset, practical knowledge and you know get into insurance or get into contractors or negotiations or marketing sales you know i think and over time that stuff adds up so it's a little bit each Absolutely. time if i can just give you one idea and i think that's to really do well and make really good money not lose money <laughs> it's just getting to a point where you're mentally seeing things clearly from okay. all different perspectives. So based on that idea, this kind of goes back to what I was wanting to talk about today, and that is, so I mentioned earlier, we've got a couple of Bible quotes. You know, I think one of the biggest problems that we have is that people don't have the appropriate relationship with money. You know, our, our society has become very polarized. You know, the guys with the money suck, and the people with no money need to be given free money, or they need some government advantage, or they need some stimulus package. Let's go spend, let's go print $6 trillion and give everybody that's been out of work for nine months 1200 bucks so I can get a vote. And it doesn't do shit for you. You know, it's $1,200. That doesn't even cover bills and stuff for a month. You know, so 
one of my favorite quotes in the Bible is that, you know, uh, it's easier to pass a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And, you know, so I, for whatever reason, that stuck with me from when I was young. But you talked a minute ago about adding small pieces to these people that you're working with and trying to build up and changing their perspective. What is, what is your perspective of cash, money? Cash or money is really energy, I think, mm-hmm. and it's in its simplest form. It's, it, it's attractive to those who put out energy, knowledge. You, you gain the knowledge. You gain, there's a saying I like a lot by uh, Rothschild, Baron Rothschild. It says, it's not that you should love money. It's that money should love you. Absolutely. Because everybody loves money, right? Everybody wants money for what it can do for you. But love is attraction. So what they're saying Bingo. is you need to make and create an environment where money is attracted to you yes. based on what you're executing. Yes. So it comes down to the knowledge, the vehicle you're using to acquire wealth. Um, but that goes back to the guy that was a millionaire and filed bankruptcy and became a billionaire. Right, you know, that's once you've got that ma- that mindset, that path, you know how to make the. Well, money. you ever see Grant Cardone? He he had a show where he would get plopped down in a city with nothing. The undercover billionaire. What do you think about it. that? He, he was, had he nothing. Had, he had a he got a, a vehicle, a hundred dollars. They dropped him down in a city that they were not disclosed to him before he landed there, and in ninety days, he built a five point five million dollar business. That's knowing and understanding people, and it's the grind. You know. You don't have your contacts. You don't have your cell phone. You can't talk to your people. You can't bring in your team. You know, it's just a matter. Of, I mean, dude, if you watch, did you watch the show? No, because I have, he's I've like, heard of it. it's amazing. He's like concept. sitting on the side of the road, spinning the little sign, trying to sell mattresses. You know, I mean, and this guy is, you know, got a three billion dollar net worth, and he's out there spinning the sign, trying to sell mattresses because he's creating a relationship with the guy that owned the mattress store, you know, and he met the guy that owned the mattress store because he went and worked out in the guy's gym and next door was his mattress store and just started talking to him, you know, it was, and he, he built that whole thing on a, what do you need? What can I do for you? Where can I add energy or where can I add um, an advantage to your business? Sure. You know, and I know that, that that's really, really important to you because that's why you tutor in um, mentor all of these flippers, wholesalers, um, but at the same time, through those relationships, you get to lend them money. You get, you know, maybe you know, some, what's funny you get about, some deals. What's funny is, I mean, lending, I've been doing that since I started. Mm-hmm. I mean, lending was never... It wasn't it, the goal. It, well, it wasn't even a figment in my imagination. You got to have money to do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I ain't got no money. But I just liked it. I liked seeing people go from where they're at to where they want it. They have a goal, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I always ask somebody. When I call people on signs, I like to call these wholesalers. Uh-huh. The bandit signs. I'll talk to them a little bit and I'll say, you know, I'll hit them with, what's your goals, man? I don't, don't won't know. How can I help you reach a goal that you don't even have or don't know? Sure. It's impossible. I, no, you yeah. got to have something. Got motion-sensored lights here, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. You <laughs> but you got to have a goal got to have somewhere you're trying to get to and i love being the difference between why you haven't gotten there and why you are there you know the thing is is that's what we do with our kids on a daily basis right you know but a lot of people and it goes back again to what's your relationship with money you know because you're going to have a an underprivileged person that comes out of the ghetto that goes to yale and you're going to have the white kid from 
the suburb that becomes a drug addict, you know, or whatever. It's a matter of, you know, what decisions did they make? How did they, how did they mentalize or how did they, what was their mentality? I don't think mentalize is a word. Uh, what was their mentality on how they took the information in that they were given? And, you know, with money for me, and you, you guys know that I say this, I have one goal in real estate, and that is to make an obscene amount of money legally and ethically. You know, I want to help people. I want to build people. But that's the same reason why on our team, um, we only bring in new agents. I want FNGs. I won't say what that is because Jack behind the camera here says that he has to bleep all the stuff that I say. But I'll let you, with your imagination, figure out what an FNG is. Um, you know, but I don't want an agent to come in here that's been doing it in a mediocre level for 15 years and is not coachable. Mm. I want young people that are hungry and broke. Right, because it's this or the bridge, you know. Absolutely, you know. And so they say, burning the bridges. You got to burn boats. Burn the boats. Burn burn the boats. boats. Absolutely. And you know, Brittany uh, is a great example because um, she's an up and comer here in our office, and we needed to hire an admin. And I knew that she was struggling a little bit trying to get some deals working, and so I offered her a job as an admin here at the office. And her first statement was. I'm intrigued, but not if I can't still sell real estate. And I was like, job's yours. The perfect answer, mm-hmm. right? Because, yes, I'll do that for now, but I know that you're paying me pennies when I want dollars. You know I mean? So that's really what it's about. Finding those ambitious people. Well, Absolutely. But then again, you get into that energy breeds energy. If I bring somebody slow and, and mediocre into this office, they won't last. Because they're going to realize in a very short period of time that they don't fit. You know, it's funny. I had a I had a guy come to one of my meetings one time, mm-hmm. and uh, I liked him. He was a good guy, and uh, he came one time, and then he he never came again. And his wife You're not talking about me, are you? No, no. <laughs> no. But uh, this guy's he needed. He was looking to get into this stuff. He really needed that environment. Mm-hmm. It was important, I think, to be around those high energy people. So anyway, we we talked a you know a couple of weeks later, and he called me. He said, you know, James. The problem I had with that group was there was too much energy flowing through it. Mm-hmm. It was like I just couldn't handle it. I it, it just it was just too much. It was too overwhelming, and I just I'm not used to it, and I couldn't handle it. And I I think what you're doing is amazing, but I just couldn't handle it. I just thought that was the most interesting answer. There's well, too much energy. It, that's a compliment to you, and very revealing as to who that person is, because. When the opportunity comes and knocks on your door, it doesn't knock twice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, it's it's challenging when you see people that you know what they're capable of. Because there's nothing that you do that I can't do. There's nothing that I do that Jack can't do. That everything that we do is can be reproduced. Sure. It just they don't do it. You know, I mean, leaving my previous business, selling my house, selling my business, going into real estate, you know, I 5X my income within 24 months and I'm not looking back, right? I mean, because I want to, I want to know what's the next thing, what's next, who's next. Um, I've been watching this, uh, this show called the all American or whatever it's on Netflix. I think it's about this kid from Crenshaw that goes to Beverly Hills and starts and anyway, oh, every, I saw that. It's yeah, number every, one right now on Netflix. Every time they walked off the field, he's like, who's next? He's not celebrating. They're not carrying the trophy around. It's like, who's next? 
you know, because he's hungry, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got to stay hungry all the time. You know, uh, placing that offer on that house yesterday when my other one isn't sold and I'm $25,000 into renovation of my current home and I got $50,000 worth of renovation left. And then I call you and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy another house. And you're, like, <laughs> and you're like, all right, cool, set it up, let's go. You know, I mean, but you, you can be scared of it. There's something you to say about it. opportunities, too, jumping on opportunities, because that doesn't just come up every day. So no, it's there. It, it, and you're right. And the thing is, is I, I had to find my own line in the sand because I didn't have that relationship with money. You know, I mean, because I was the poorest kid in the best neighborhood growing up. I mean, I had the nice shoes and my parents made great money, but we all had new cars and the new house and everything else. And the money could have been handled differently at some point, I think. Yeah. Um, but I really had to learn a new relationship with money. And for me personally, and this is this is a personal story that I'll share. Um, I was talking to Jack about this this morning. You know, one of the most poignant moments in my life as an adult, I was sitting down with my dad. My dad is flown helicopters, flown jets, uh, jumped out of airplanes, rode bulls, motorcycles, fast cars, had the track record in his 67 Chevelle. It was like really daunting to come up underneath him because it was like I was being raised by the guy that had literally done everything. Right. It was just like this huge shadow. And then I sat down with my dad one day when we were running our martial arts school years ago. And he said, you know, Jason, he said, there's there's two points in life that are difficult. He said, one is the day that you realize that your parents are only people. And the second, he said, for me, because my dad grew up in Oklahoma, went to 24 different elementary schools. You know, his dad was a truck driver and they were all over Oklahoma, Texas, Lubbock, all that stuff. He said, and uh, I mean, he literally lived in a lean-to on the back of the garage because there wasn't room in the house for him and his brother. And so, I mean, I'm talking Oklahoma in the winter in a lean-to on the back of a garage. He said, but, you know, I pushed my way through all of this stuff and put himself through college. The Marine Corps moved out when he was 15, you know, did everything, he said, but it was all okay. He said, because I knew that when I raised my kids, they weren't going to go through what I went through because I had learned all these lessons for them. He said, and the saddest day in my life was the day that I realized you were going to go through all the same problems because you won't listen. Wow. And that, that immediately, I mean, it hit me so hard because I revered this person. I still revere my father. But I realized that the greatest thing I could do as an adult is to honor them by being better than them. You know? And the, the only place where we ever really struggled, and, you know, if my mom and dad watch this, please don't get mad at me. Uh, the, the only place that we ever struggled with this is it was money because the relationship was different, you know. And so I didn't, I had, I'm 47 years old and I've had one car for every year I could legally drive. I've had 31 cars. Wow. Yeah. And. It's, All those Ferraris, you no, know, please. in the garage. <laughs> you know, I had four trucks before I got out of high school because I kept wrecking them. So I had this eh, relationship with money because whatever I broke got replaced. You know, and then you get to a point where it's like, oh, shit, I got to replace it. <laughs> That's expensive. I don't want to do that. Sure. You know, I mean, it, but in the, here at the business and, you know, Shelly is like my biggest cheerleader, but my biggest critic because I'm constantly going, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to go buy this house or I'm going to go do this thing or we're going to get a bigger office. She's like, Jason, stop it. <laughs> you know, but I just, I, I'm never, always happy, never satisfied. Is I'm not, I refuse to be satisfied. I don't want to be 
comfortable. You know, because when as soon as I get comfortable, I stop. Right? I'm judging everybody. Absolutely. I mean, what do you do when you lay down at night? You get comfortable. What do you do? You go to sleep. Yes. I can't afford to go to sleep in my career. Right? I mean, I have to be on it 24-7. So, how do you think, or what is your relationship with money in the sense of, without just being the greedy American, right? You know, I'm just going to take it all and put it in bags and hide it under my bed. I mean, but how can you use an expanding wealth to become more wealthy, but also to help other people? Well, I mean, I think you have to be a saver. You have to have the capital. So, you know, what, what a lot of times is, is like we were talking about earlier, people will make money and then spend it on mm-hmm. things that, you know. They think they need. They think they need, and then they don't really have the capital there to, when an opportunity pops up, they either don't have the relationships to find the money or have the money themselves to jump on them. I've, I've bought many, many houses from realtors who said, I know you're going to make a killing. You're make and they a took fort- their 3% yeah, and away. Yeah, they took their 3%. You're going to make a fortune on I did. I sold you like seven, like four years ago. And then that's, you're probably one of the reasons why I was like, I'm not selling any more of these houses. I'm keeping them. Then you heard me talk about it somewhere. Damn yeah. it, Jack. Keep the lights on. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's having, having capital around where when something comes, you're always looking for opportunities, but when something comes up, you're ready to jump on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I think that's that's huge, yeah. but you know a lot of the other side of that is is you'll never work harder than your money can work. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, if you think about how hard you can work or how versus how hard capital can work. Well, not only that, but capital doesn't sleep eight hours a day either. That's exactly right. So I mean, think about it. you're buying a house mm-hmm. and you know you're borrowing capital, which is to your benefit, you're you're out interest or you're out the labor, whatever it is, but your money's out there and they go out with that. What are you going to make on Neptune at the end of the day? At the end of the day on Neptune, I'm probably going to make, because that one went sideways, I'm probably make about 15000 So your other house, what did you make on that one? About 70000 So, and okay, how about this, that's $85,000. For a side hustle. For a side <laughs> hustle. And what, how long though? Was that maybe five months? Uh, something like that. Yeah, so this year uh, we bought Neptune. We bought uh, Lonnie Wood in January for one ninety. Did an eighty five thousand dollar renovation. So we ran it for like two seventy five plus the cash I had to pay to borrow. Um, and then we sold it for three sixty. So I mean that was that was. And you know how much time I spent at that house? About four hours. That's my point. For seventy thousand dollars. So, so you took capital. How did that happen? You found the opportunity, mm-hmm. and then you had the capital, and then you had the labor. So you had the, the construction. So, I was I felt borderline douchey about this. And Bill Smith, my very good friend, I felt bad, but I mean, you you have to seize the opportunity, right? So, we were at a condo here in Clear Lake, and uh, Bill called me up one day, and I mean, I hadn't. Bill's we hung out like all the time when we were young. And I had literally not talked to him in 20 years. And he called me up and said, Jason, it's Bill Smith. I was like, holy crap, what's up? Mm-hmm. And he said, my son needs to buy a condo. And I was like, cool. So we went and we're looking at this little $65,000 condo. And we're just catching up, visiting during inspections. And uh, he's like, yeah. And I said, well, you know, how's your wife doing? You know, how's the family doing? He's like, yeah, you know, it's a little challenging right now. You know, my mother-in-law has passed away. And, uh, 
my uh, my father-in-law, he's he's having a hard time. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. And and again, this wasn't being ugly, but my next statement was, so what are you going to do with their house? And he's like, I don't know. We don't want it. It's in a good neighborhood, but we don't want it. And I'm like, can I take a look? You know, and so we closed on the condo, and I followed up with him for like three months. And then we finally got the house, and that's the one that we did on Lonnie Wood. And, you know, it just, it was great. You know, and I brought them back through because I wanted them to see, you know, what the house was like. And I wanted them to know it was going to another nice family, and it was going to be a familial home again. And, you know, they were super excited about it, you know. And then uh, the one on Neptune, my contractor called me. He was like, hey, I got a friend on it's at Redfin, and it's got this house. So we went and looked at it, wrote an offer, and, and got it. Um, Kept your contractor busy? Got to. Got yeah. to. I mean, that's a big thing, too. I'm like, I think Taylor probably cringes every time I call him, though, because we keep him really busy. But, uh, I mean, he does awesome work. Yeah, I mean, incredible work. But the thing is, is I just, for him, the reason I love working with Taylor, one, I love him and his wife. They're super nice people. But two, is that it's literally point and shoot. I go, hey, run with it. His wife picks out the finishes she's like hey i bought these light fixtures i'm like cool you know it's literally it's like do you want this backsplash or this backsplash that's the extent of what i do in these rehabs yeah so when shelly and i uh were running our martial arts school we were about two years into running the one in pasadena and we were all fat and happy school was growing and i was like this is cool so what did i do i went and opened another martial arts school and killed the one i was making money off of because it divided me and my father, who were the schoolmasters, between two places. So all those people that were, you know, and it's, also, it's where I learned that people weren't buying that. They were buying me. You know, so when I wasn't there anymore, yeah. it, it went sideways. Well, it's kind of like lending money. You know, I don't lend money necessarily to the property. I lend it to the person. You got to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If everything now, goes granted, wrong, you, you, you're covered by the property. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, I mean, I wouldn't lend on a property. If, if you I didn't trust the person, the person the pro I'm really lending to that person. Ultimately, that's the way I do it. No, and, and, I, and most lenders don't though. They look at the property and they say, "Hey, if we foreclose, to the hell with it. We'll foreclose on." Them. But I don't. I don't. I don't. If I ever foreclose on somebody, I feel like that's the worst thing I could ever do. Well, the thing is, is that you have a finite amount of resources, and you want to put it where you know it's going to do the most good, right? Yeah. You know, because if I'm lending good money to the wrong person then I don't have the capital to lend the right money That's to right. the right person. And I'd rather lend, do three or four or five deals with one person than mm. split it off between, that's kind of my thought. You want to hit it and quit it? No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, no, I'm, I'm a long-term uh, player here. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting, and I think I told you this yesterday. Uh, Jack hasn't heard this. but um, So one of our team members here at the office, when I made them sit down at the beginning of the year and write out their goals, his goal was he wanted to flip a house with me this year. So when I came across this deal that we made the offer on yesterday, I called up Justin and was like, hey, you ready? He's like, I'm in. Let's go. Beautiful. He's, you know, because Justin is very, very cash conservative, you know, and again, I'm, I'm trying to get him out of that. And Justin, that's probably, I'm not saying anything you haven't told you. Well, it's probably something like you said, family. It's your relationship. You know, yeah, relationships. They're what, I've, what we taught you. And now he's got a mentor that's, Breaking down all those barriers. I'm just waiting for one of these kids over here to, re to pass me up. You know, I will not consider myself successful until one of the agents in my office out earns me. Yeah. You know, I always said this. I don't want to be an Alexander. I want to be an Aristotle. 
You don't want to just go conquer it. You want to build up. I, well, Aristotle taught Alexander. Mm-hmm. That was his mentor. I would rather be an, an Aristotle to where I was teaching Alexander's sure how to conquer the world. I, you know, I, yeah, I do a lot and everything, but I I don't enjoy that as much as I see someone else doing it Absolutely. and knowing that in the background. And that the ideas that he had influenced me. That gives me more joy than seeing a hundred thousand dollar check. It does, just honestly, it's just always. But bad. I like hundred thousand dollar checks. Well, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. But I think you think about what's is money giving you the greatest joy, or is it seeing Justin grow? A hundred percent. That say that's what I'm saying. No, when, absolutely. When, once you make it to a certain level, the money is actually think about it. I can buy pretty much anything I want now. Sure. I cash. Like I go buy a million dollar house cash, buy anything I want. So money at some point is less brings less utility mm-hmm. and less satisfaction. What really brings the greatest satisfaction? Well, you know what's funny is, and I talked to the team about this, but uh, you know that I listen to Grant Cardone a lot, and he I was listening to one of his videos, and he's like, money is garbage. He's like, it's just a tool. It's a wrench. Yeah. It's that's all it is, and you know, and if you're not using it properly. You know, but people chase this idea for so long. When they, you, you're not going to turn nut with a baseball bat, right? I mean, you can't, you're using the wrong tools, you know, and until you realize what the money is and what its purpose is, then it will multiply. Best, the best thing I ever heard was money is freedom of mobility and freedom of choice. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to think. That's money gives you those things. If you're working for somebody, man, you're you're on the clock, you're here. You can't do what you want, when you want, go where you I want. I can promise you if I had to go tomorrow and get a nine to five job, I would probably get fired inside of thirty days. Because I have been doing this for so long for myself. I just don't think I'm employable anymore. <laughs> not only that, but I'm not easily moderated anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good thing. So what's new? What's coming down the pipeline? What's, your, what's next for you? Uh, one of the things I'm looking at doing next is really building a fund. You know, some kind of really large fund. I've got uh, a loan I just made in Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. I've got two flips that I'm buying in Lake Charles. Um, I, I knew you said you'd found some opportunity out there. Yeah. Well, one of the and that's, ones, good, that's a good area. When you're talking about wanting to put your money in the right places, Lake Charles needs it. Sure. Because there's do. so many houses. There's thousands that are not habitable right now. They need that inventory. In Houston, you're begging for a deal. So think about it this way. There's not really such thing as hard money in, in that area, Louisiana. There, there's not, no, Even the lawyers, I come over there trying to find a lawyer to draw my docs and everything. They, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? Wow, there? really? It's just, just, it doesn't really exist. Uh, even the investors, That's peculiar. Yeah, so there's no, not really any hard money. Uh, and then you have tons of houses. And then you, now the contractors are a problem there. You got a really interesting dynamic. There's tons of houses. There's not that many houses for sale. So if you can get them to the market, they'll sell. Mm-hmm. But you can't find the contractors. You can't find the money. But there's, there's thousands of houses sitting there ready to be taken so up. So can you just go buy like a 12 pack of houses and ship a crew out there from Texas? Exactly. That's exactly what you do. Absolutely. You, you get them. You got to think bigger. You got to think what opportunity. Well, the thing is, is okay. I can't afford to bring my contractors and send them to Louisiana to do a house. So, how many houses do I have to do before the cost is offset by so the, the profit? The first line? one I've got, 
that I put under contract there. Mm -hmm. I'm get it, getting it for one twenty-five. I'm gonna put about sixty thousand in it. It's worth three hundred. Okay. So there's a hundred and hundred fifteen thousand dollars one deal. I got another one for twenty-five thousand. Ooh, gonna, I like those. I'll take twelve yeah, of those. Twenty-five thousand. I'm gonna put about sixty in it. It's worth one fifty. Okay. So you're talking eighty-five range worth one fifty. There's probably fifty thousand. So I've got a hundred. Yeah, but I mean, for dollar for dollar, that's a better deal. I mean, because I mean, if I'm gonna be out 185 for 100, or if I'm gonna be out 85 for 50, I'll take the 85 for 50 all day long. So there's 170 thousand dollars on my first two deals. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. And I made my first loan out there. Uh, you know, that area has McNeese University. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a university town. It's got all the refineries mm -hmm. and everything. It has the casinos. But uh, yeah, I. Where's opportunity yet? There's no, you don't really have any lenders out there. So we can start going out there, start buying up these houses. There's tons of houses. There's not many for sale. It's one thing if there'd be tons of houses for sale, but then yeah. you know, tons of them for sale. Yeah, there's a lot of inventory and potential, but there's, you couldn't sell it. Then what are yeah. we even doing here? It's kind yeah. of, but it's needed. You know, I, it's funny. I spoke with my uh, father last week. I don't think I told you about this, but they live in a little refinery town in North Texas. It's called Border, Texas. The only people from Houston that know it is if they stop through there on their way to Colorado. Uh, I don't know, population's like 18,000 or something. Mm -hmm. But they've got a coal black plant up there. they got the Phillips 66 plant up there. And there's a huge housing shortage. But they're going through a beautification process. So, like, every month, the city's like, hey, we're tearing down these 12 houses. Because these houses have just been abandoned. Yeah, sure. So I'm just talking to my dad, and he mentions this, and immediately my alarm bells go off. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If they're spending $8,000 a piece to tear these houses down, maybe we can work a deal. You know, because if I can buy them for $3,000 a house just to have enough money to transact it, because now I'm saving the city $8,000 a pop not to tear them down. If I can buy the houses for three, put in 60, have them at 65, sell them at 120 or maybe even you know 100 you know i'm not making a lot per house but then it's low enough that i can because those houses will rent for 1200. investors will buy the rentals oh man because my dad was looking at buying the house across the street just because he wanted to tear it down it was a piece of crap and the, the city planner was out there with me he's like larry please don't tear this house down we're we need houses we're short on houses wow. fix it and dad's like eh. I don't need the I don't need the project. I just don't want some ghetto person living across the street from sure. me, you know. But so then again, but that's seeing opportunity. Mm -hmm. So my plan is to go up there and see if I literally can't buy like a twelve pack of houses, and just put a contract. Twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> would you buy twelve houses for five thousand a piece? Oh, I man. would. You know. I mean. So, but those are the things that excite me. You know, like Shelly's laughing at me yesterday because all I do is work. Right, I, this is my hobby. Oh, it's my passion. Right, right there with you. <laughs> it's my hobby. It's my passion. But so we moved into this new house. You know, this ridiculously expensive course. house on the golf course, and I have no laundry because it's being painted. So I had to go to the laundromat, and I'm so like this spoiled white kid because I'm bitching. I like I'm calling Shelly from the laundromat, going, "This is bullshit. <laughs> I do not want to be here. This is crap. I'm carrying my underwear around some public place. I'm like, this is weird. How do people do this?" You know, anyways, and so, you know, but my thing is, is that those, 
I do everything that I do so that I can live the life that I want to live, so that I can set the right example for my kids, so that I can, you know, show thanks to my parents, so that I can live a life of of good means. You know, but I've also told my kids, if I find if I found out tomorrow I've got terminal cancer, I'm spending everything. I'm not leaving you anything. Just I want you guys to know that when I die, the only thing you're going to get from me and your mom is whatever house we were in when we died. Because I want them to go create their own future. Yeah. You know, I mean, so but that's, that's just me. And that's wow. not a matter of being selfish. It's a matter of, you know, I just, you got one trip on this merry-go-round. You know, what's mm-hmm. the, the old thing they said after Moses? They said that uh, no man would live more than four score or whatever, it was like 80, 83 years, right? Well, okay, we're kind of pushing that. People are living way past 83 now, you know, but you've got one trip on this merry-go-round, and I want to leave my mark on as many people as possible and make an obscene amount of money legally and ethically. I think we've got the same goals. <laughs> Jack, how are we doing on time? You can talk. Are we good? We're going to wrap up now or are we good? We got more time. All right, cool. All right. So then my next question would be scalability. How if, if something happened tomorrow and somebody came to you with a ridiculous amount of money, they say, Hey James, I'd I'd like to see what you're doing. I got $50 million. You know, how can you scale what it is that you're doing or how would you want to scale it? You know, only I can see is maybe getting into seminars. You'd have I can see that. You'd have to have... You need to bring in a gross number of people. Yeah. Okay. You'd have to have something like that. And I'd probably partner with someone like you on something like that. You know, Let's do that, it. And that thing could generate agents. Mm-hmm. I think on a big scale, you need to bring in, you know, 100 people or... Well, it's, know, a, it's a law of attraction and it's, it's the lowest common denominator thing. I mean, you know, if I have 100 opportunities and I'm only batting, you know, 100, I still got 10. That's, yeah. So how can you get the most amount of people in front of you for a day or two? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what would be, that's what you'd have to do to really put out that much money. I mean, I can teach everything you need to know, but I've got to have the operators, you know, the investors who I trust, mm-hmm. who, you know, they don't necessarily have to know everything they're doing. I've, I've given crews, my crews to people, let them borrow them, and then kind sure. of get a feel for how to do it all. And then, then they'll find their own. Yeah, That's, that's a big thing is... Kind of lending out your crews sometimes. You know, what's funny is lending out your crew is like somebody asking to date your wife <laughs> because <laughs> crews are hard to come by. Yeah, that's why you got to have a bunch of them. You know, it's like I've got, a, I've got one crew that I've worked with that I love, but everyone that I refer to them to, not everyone, but a bunch of people that I've referred them to are like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like them. And I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. They don't ask me for referrals, but they're doing awesome work for us. I think the secret to that is have a bunch of them. So I'm always looking. If you go down my phone, shit, I got, a, I got a hundred contractors, and I could refer. If you take one, I'll take another, or yeah. another, another, another. So the, the key there is is to have so many of them that it doesn't matter. Because I'm out looking every day. This guy who's new. So you're never, not monogamous in your contractor relationship. That's right. So that's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be. What? What? You, you got know, all your eggs in one. Yeah, that's right. So if they if they go out and say a hurricane hits and they can make three times what they're paying you, mm-hmm. what do you do then? You should never design your business relying on one person, whether it's one one revenue, one yeah. one income, one line. Yeah. No matter what it is. I don't think so. I think you should have now. You know, would you hope that there you're the type of person that was someone was 
banking on you, you'd always be for them. Yes. Sure. But you know, contractors are a fickle bunch. You know, you, it's about they money are. a lot of the times. No, and you're, and you're right. But I mean, the thing is, is, and I think that you're probably very much, and I, I hope this doesn't sound egotistical, but it's going to, um, is when I go on a listing appointment, in my career, I've been on about three listing appointments that I didn't get, right? Because all I need is the time. You know, I, if you put me in front of somebody, the vernacular that I use, the honesty that I, that I present, um, I, I lock down relationships, you know? And so, but the thing is, is you've got to have those opportunities, you know, whether it's with the contractors or with the houses, or if it's getting the listing appointments, you know, you just, you've got to have... Did I ever tell you my story about my first listing? Mm. <laughs> These guys love this story. So I sold my business at 40 years old. I, mean, I look back now, I was like, maybe it was a midlife crisis. I didn't get a vet. I sold everything. Uh, so I sold the house, sold the business. I was like, babe, I'm going to go sell real estate. And she's like, you know what you got to do. Go do what you got to do. And so, you know, I'm doing the whole real estate thing. And I'm down in my little office over off of Chimney Rock in 59 and I'm like, you know, trying to do open houses and the whole thing. And I get this listing appointment and I'm like, all right, cool. This is my opportunity. You know, I get my, my CMA and I got my folder and my binder and I've got my little bag and I go out to this listing appointment. I pull up to the house and this lady's walking out of the house and I look at her and I'm like, brick, he's interviewing agents, right? So I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not like the lone man on this. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh crap. Okay. So I go into the house, do my listing appointment. Now, granted, I've got a little bit that I was coming into this with people that don't have and that I've been in sales for pretty much my whole life. And, you know, and I, my dad taught me how to swing a hammer and I know electrical. I've worked as an electrician's apprentice and all this other stuff. So I'm going around the house and we're talking and doing the whole thing. And uh, he looks at me and he goes, and he asked the one question I was hoping he would not ask. He's like, why should I hire you and not her? And I was like, oh. I was like, honest, I said, full honesty, you need to hire me because I've never sold a house. <laughs> and he like, he like stops and he like oh. looks at me with this incredulous look. And I go, oh my gosh. I've never sold a house before. I said, that lady that left here, I said, she's got 12 clients. I said, you're my only guy. I said, you're going to, you're going to get all of me. And he's like, all right, cool. And he hired me. Oh, that was good. <laughs> look at that. You know, that so, good. you know, it's. But again, it's that I like it. taking the negative and trying to turn it yes, into a positive, exactly. you know, because most people would have hidden the fact that I'm not going to tell this guy I've never sold anything before. It's a $300,000 house. He's not going to hire me, you know, but I was like, I got nothing. I, let's just go for it. You know, you need to hire me because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and you're going to get every, all of that, all of that, nothing. But I did 26 transactions for 6.25 million in my first year. So something was working. Oh, it's, so. it's well, it's honesty. <laughs> Why well, you know you get back to honesty, man, and You've being vulnerable. Be. See, most people are unwilling to be vulnerable and being honest to a fault because they want to appear a certain way. You yeah. broke right through that. Well, you know, I learned that from Shelly because I learned very quickly when I married Shelly that this is what you get, and if you don't like what I'm saying, it's because you don't want to hear it and shut the hell up. <laughs> All right. Well, Jack is uh, giving us the wrap up, so uh, we will pick up there next week. Uh, give us a call if you guys need anything. Jason here at the Franklin Realty Group. We've got Mr. James here with King James Lending. All things uh, money related. Let us know. Thank you.